welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Your lives this morning in a fresh sense of joy. Um, you know, the theme that I know you've been following of recent times with Pastor uh, Caleb has been following Jesus and touching people, affecting people through that, loving people. Well, you know, as we touch Jesus, as we follow him, one of the hallmarks of our lives should be that we should be filled with an inescapable eternal joy. It should be part of what we are. It should be the very atmosphere of what we choose to, to pursue and, so, and, and live out. So, you know, I want to just inject that into your life because I felt this morning as I was um, preparing for today that there were certain levels of brokenness and heaviness in some of the people here. Brokenness, heaviness, that sense of despondency and despair, the feeling of being overwhelmed by your circumstances and situations. And I feel like this morning God wants to give an injection of joy into your life. And not just something that is just fleeting, but should be what we are as Christians. Because following Jesus should produce fruits of the Spirit. They should produce things that are not of just ourselves and not something we can just conjure up in ourselves. And I want to explore that a bit with you this morning. And to see and look at the transforming atmosphere of your life so that you can bring impact to your world. Because we need some more joy around our society. And it needs to be flowing naturally and easily out of people like you and I. And not something that we put on or some facade that we live, but deep down, joy. So we have a, when we go through tough times like our society has the last few years, we have a choice to make. We'll either wallow in our circumstances... Or we rejoice in spite of our circumstances. And the nature of the Holy Spirit in our lives and worlds is that he wants to elevate us to another plane of living that takes us beyond where we would live in our own strength and in our own capacities to a place where we don't wallow in our circumstance but rejoice in a profound joy in spite of our circumstances. I have, um, I have no way of guaranteeing your tomorrow. I have no way of guaranteeing that for myself either. Uh, life can pass out some pretty rugged stuff, can't it? <clears throat> and uh, out of left field, suddenly things can happen in your health or in your family or in your relationships or in other things that you have little control over. Economic environments can change. Jobs that are here and safe and secure one day can be gone the next. If anything, the pandemic that we've just gone through shows us and challenges us about what is foundational to our world and life. And we have a choice in the way that we approach those things. And I, you know, I'd like to believe that, that as Christians, things, we can rise above our circumstance. I read a poem recently that I want to read to you now. It's about two frogs. It says, Two frogs fell into a can of cream, or so I've heard it told. 
and the sides of the can were shiny and deep. It was steep, and the cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use? Croaked number one. Tis fate, no one's around. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, sad world. And weeping still, he drowned. But number two, a sterner stuffed dog paddled in surprise, and while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes, he said, I'll swim at least. Or so I heard he said, it wouldn't really help the world if one more frog was dead. An hour or two, he kicked and swam. Not once he stopped to mutter, but kicked and kicked and swam and kicked and then hopped out of the butter. See, you can either drown in your circumstances or you can allow your circumstances to become a stepping stone to freedom. And this morning, I I just want to talk to you about how to to gain a, a positivity that remains with you despite what tomorrow might yet bring. In Nehemiah, we read this uh, amazing verse. The joy of the Lord is your strength. There's two pictures up there. The top one is me standing at the walls of Jerusalem a few, a few years ago. And uh, it was my privilege to go there. I'd never been there. I wished I'd gone earlier in my life, but never could afford it. And uh, have any of you been to Israel? It's an amazing place to go because it just contextualizes all that is the gospel. And I remember standing at this spot here where the walls of Jerusalem stand and realizing the scale of what Nehemiah and the people of Israel created. These weren't just little blocks. The bottom picture is a picture of my son's house and and yard and, and me helping him to build a fire pit around his property. And... Um, uh, he lives at Wisto in the Adelaide Hills and there's a lot of Wisto stone on his property which is big, heavy, sort of slaty, bluestony stuff. And uh, I'm glad I wasn't in Nehemiah's day. It was hard enough being in Mark's day, my son Mark, because lifting these things, the two of us sometimes were straining to lift one boulder into place. And by the end of a day of lifting stone... Um, it gave me a new appreciation for Nehemiah and the people of Israel. But this verse comes out of the context of hard work and of strain and pressure and difficulty. And Nehemiah declares these words, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. In Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 43, we actually read, and on that day they offered great sacrifices rejoicing Because God had given them great joy. Now that statement there is actually an injection of God-given quality. It's not that they had joy because God was on their side. God actually gave them the joy. It was like a, here, experience joy. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we read there about the fruits of the Spirit, our love and joy. And peace, this is a fruit. You know, you don't go up to a tree and say, produce fruit. It just comes out of it because that's its nature. And out of the nature of those who are children of God, out of those who live by the Spirit, should come and flow joy. It should be there as a consequence of Christian living. Philippians 4.4, Paul actually puts it this way. Rejoice in the Lord When? 
always? There's quite a few scriptures like that that are just all-inclusive. Now, like, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. And just to emphasize it, and again I say, Rejoice! <laughs> When are we not to experience joy? Never. <laughs> and you think, well, hang on a minute. I, I know there have been pretty, there's been fair few joyless moments even in the last few years for me. Well, I want to pray and believe for something to be released over your life this morning that would bring profound joy into your world. I love giving scriptures to people and so I'm going I'm to do that as well this morning to a few and I, I'll probably run out of time so I'm going to point out some of you at the end and say can I share some words with you because I, I just so believe in the power of God's word and in his capacity to just strengthen us and encourage us. You know, God knows us better than we know ourselves so you know, sometimes I give words to people and they say, well, I'm not sure about that. Um, and then they think about it and they go, oh, yeah, now I see. Or sometimes I, it, it's, it's later that it really works, outworks itself in terms of its consequence in people's lives. C.S. Lewis, uh, the great uh, apologist, Christian thinker of the last century, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, of course, that many people know him for, but he was also the probably one of the most brilliant minds that our last uh, century had. He was a professor of, of uh, literature at Oxford University. He had this sort of brain that could remember everything he ever read. Can you imagine that? He could quote to you the page number of a book. If you quoted something, he knew exactly where it came from. That would be pretty scary if you were writing essays that he was marking. But he was, a, he was an amazing man. And he wrote his own autobiography and he described it as, as, uh, as surprised by joy. Interesting that he chose that because he only became a Christian actually in his 40s. Um, hadn't really had real active faith. But the thing that really happened to him was that he was surprised by joy. It snuck up on him. He, he, he started to think about the things of God and about the reality of God, but what he never anticipated that it would touch his heart like it did. He used the, one of the expressions that he uses in that book is this one: "One second of joy is worth twelve hours of pleasure." You know, just a drop of God's joy in his heart transformed his life. It was a it was a double play actually in his life as well because he never married till he was well into his. I think early 50s, and he married a woman called Joy. So he was surprised by Joy in that sense as well. And she, they were married only for a few years before she passed away. <clears throat> but he had this great explosion of joy in his life. I was reflecting on all this myself and, and reflecting on all the choruses that I used to sing in Sunday school and in my young youth. They were all about joy. Some of them were so corny. I got the joy bells in my heart 
Uh, any of you remember that corny song? I got the joy. And in fact, in early, early history of this church, they were probably the sorts of songs they sang. But they said a profound truth, that joy was deep down in the soul, in the heart. I've got this joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Well, some of you know it, some of you know it. It is joy unspeakable. My sister, who was young, (coughs) used to get this one when she was young mixed up. She used to sing, it is joy unspeakable, and it was full of glory, but she used to say, I'm full of lollies. (laughs) Joy unspeakable and full of lollies. So as I was reflecting on this, I was thinking about it, and I thought of a guy that came and spoke in the church when I was still probably a young teen. And he, he, he talked about, he taught us this song, Joy is the flag flown high. And he got everybody to get their hankies out, which is not a very COVID-friendly thing to do. Okay, and everybody sung with their hankies waving, Joy is the flag flown high from... They were corny songs, but they profoundly affected the psyche of my life. Because joy became something that wasn't out there, but was in here. It wasn't just occasional, it was the atmosphere of my days. I also thought of this great hymn, and it's why I got the, 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 the music team to sing the song about the goodness of God just before, because this old hymn has the same sentiment. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy, oh my soul, like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. Some of you might, may remember one of our old pastors, he's still alive. He's, in, he's a compatriot of one of your early pastors and John Ridley. Uh, they're both men in their late 90s now. Um, the guy I'm thinking of is Pastor Les Paulson. And he used to sing this song with such gusto. And when it got to the line, um, floods, of joy, or, floods of joy, oh my soul, like the sea billows, roll. And he kept everybody singing and hanging out there, singing it for a long roll. A few years ago, I had the chance to speak and share at his church where he now attends in Goulburn and uh, I got him to sing this song just for nostalgia's sake and he still did the roll (laughs) but joy is to roll on joy shouldn't just be an occasional injection in our lives it should be the atmosphere of our lives and that's what that song what that old hymn was singing about I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure since Jesus came into my heart. No dark clouds of doubt, now my pathway obscure obscure, since Jesus came into my heart. Then it goes on to talk about even the assurity that is ours in death. We're talking last night in the men's team about um, the funeral of Shane Warne. Didn't you watch that on the telly the other night? It was a pretty big deal, really, I guess, for a lot of people. But it was interesting talking to his daughter, reflecting on him and saying, I'll see you in heaven, Dad. Well, I hope hope she does. 
both from her point of view and from his point of view, that, you know, that that's where they'll spend eternity. But here's hope. Here's a promise that's ours and why our lives can be filled with such joy that even in the face of death, your life goes on forever. This is the great hope of the Christian faith. This is where we should live our lives. You know, when the end point is secure, everything else doesn't matter. When you know ultimately joy is the outcome of your life, why? Because you know that you've got an eternal home. That life isn't just here and now in the circumstances of this world. How horrendous they may even be, there is the opportunity for your life to go on to a much better place. Joy is the hallmark of Christians because they've moved from death into life. Joy is the settled assurance, Rick Warren said. Some of you have done, probably used some of Rick Warren's material, 40 Days of Purpose and other things like that. Have any of you done those studies? We've used them as a church. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Or this quote from Viktor Frankl, who wrote in the context of having survived the, uh, the Auschwitz uh, concentration camps at the end of World War II, a Jewish survivor who wrote about his ordeals, but how his life had been shaped by that. And he says, only when the emotions work in terms of values can the individual feel pure joy. When there's an alignment between your values and what you're built and your life is built around and the circumstances of your life, then the consequence of it, even in the midst of a prison camp, can be pure joy. There's a some of you may have seen the movie by Will Smith called The Pursuit of Happiness. He pursued a bit more this week, didn't he? <laughs> Trying to slap up the, the Oscars. <laughs> but, uh, you know, our world pursues happiness. Remember that song from a few years ago? Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. If it was only so easy... <laughs> You see, our world pursues happiness. But the Christian faith allows you to be grounded in joy. Where deep down, happiness is for the moment. Happiness is just emotional and situational. It depends on, uh, on the circumstance of your world. And it's feeds your, fed off your own emotional state. But joy goes beyond emotion. It's something that's foundational. While it is a feeling and we feel joy, it is anchored in a spiritual reality that's far more profound. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that should be the, the path for the course. It should be something that's there as the backdrop of Christian living. I bring you good news of great joy for all people was the great Message of Christmas. John 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy 
may be full. Happiness happens, but joy abides. Happiness can be here today and gone tomorrow, but joy should be part of our life. And it comes out actually at the moments of greatest challenge and test. A couple of years ago, and I think I may have shared this story, um, start of last, well, a year, just over a year and a half ago, I, I went to the doctor and I had to have a CAT scan for something that had happened in my, and I was just checking up, and in the process found that all this fluid had built up around my right lung. And uh, it was in the pleural lining of my lung and had one and a half litres of fluid in my lung, uh, which they were very worried about, of course, and thought may be cancerous. And uh, my father had actually died of this same condition. And so I was very conscious of my concerns for having been around him as a young boy when he worked with asbestos all the time, that maybe some of this asbestosis, which is what he died from, may have affected me. And so, you know, that's what they obviously thought and were very concerned for. And so I had all these tests done and they removed the fluid and operated on me. And I said to my wife, didn't you hear me sloshing around in bed? That's a lot of, one and a half litres of Coke is a lot of Coke. <laughs> I didn't hear it and I didn't feel it, I didn't even know. But you know, when you're lying there in your hospital bed and some of you have gone through much more severe circumstances and when, you, but when you're going there, you go, is this it? And your brain goes immediately to the worst consequences, doesn't it? And builds up this scenario of impending gloom. But you know, and, and I'm not saying this lightly or just because I'm preaching this. You know, in the midst of everything that I was going through at that time, which was probably one of the more challenging moments of my life in terms of health, uh, there was this profound peace and joy. That flooded my life. And those hymns and those choruses that I sang before were actually the experience of my life. They weren't just something that I was a put on. And I didn't have to do much to do it. It just rose up as a fruit of the Spirit. It just was there. I'm so thankful for the abiding presence of Christ that just is with us all the time in the midst of even the darkest moments of our lives. Habakkuk said it like this, though the fig tree doesn't blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, though the produce of the olive fail and there be no, what was it, flocks in the field or whatever, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Yet will I have joy. Yet will I stand strong because I have a God that's working with me. Paul said, I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Writing in the context of him being in prison, he found an, an unbelievable joy that rose up in him. You remember the story of him and Silas in jail. What were they doing? While everybody else was feeling very miserable, they're rejoicing, having a praise and worship session. Was that just a put on? Was that then just naively building themselves up? Or was this something that was deep down in their system, that they rejoiced in God, that it bubbled up from within them? That's where it should be. And that's what I want to believe for you this morning, 
at this spirit of heaviness that's been over our culture and over our world, that you guys could be the radiant glory of Christ in the midst of it and find that joy that passes all understanding. That's beyond what you can comprehend in yourself. Solzhenitsyn, probably one of the greatest writers of the last century as well, in his book, The Gulag Archipelago, wrote on his reflections of being in the Gulag concentration camps under Stalin's leadership. And he talked there about the discipline of awareness and being aware that in every situation to live in continual joy, in everything, Paul said, give thanks. Here's just a couple more scriptures quickly to remind us of. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1.8 You love him though you've never seen him, though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious and with an inexpressible joy. Father God, just come across this church right now. Lift the heavy hearts that are here. Lift the burden of what is in the midst of all of our worlds and lives. And Lord, let us be part of the answer to our culture rather than becoming part of it. Let us move beyond just the happiness of the moment to the place where we, where we live in eternal joy because it's grounded in who we are in Christ. Some years ago, back in the 80s and 90s, you'd go into people's homes and they would invariably have a poem up on the wall somewhere, often in their bathroom or toilet, called Footsteps in the Sand. Do you remember that? It was, it was a Christian sort of prophetic word that talked about these two people walking along the beach, two sets of footprints, and the, the poem basically said, at the crisis points, God, you seem to leave me. And because there was only one set of footprints going on. And the poem sort of basically said, well, it wasn't that I left you then, it was that I was carrying you then and sustaining you. Great sentiment. But I read this version of of it recently as well, which got me laughing. One night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prints appeared and I asked the Lord, what have we here? These prints are large and round and neat. But Lord, they're too big for my feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith you would not know. So I got tired and I got fed up and there I dropped you on your butt. Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb when one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. You can't leave footprints in the sand if you're sitting on your butt. (laughs) And this morning is an opportunity here, right now, for us to get off our butts in faith and to embrace all that God has. And for his... 
impartation of joy to become part of this church's future in a greater and greater measure, that it would descend upon you. Why? Because it should be your experience of Christ. As we follow Jesus, one of the things that should happen is that the joy of the Lord should be our strength. And that should have a consequence into the way we treat our world and the way we affect those around about us is that they look at us and say, I want what you've got. We were talking about this last night as guys, you know. One of the challenges for us is how do we connect with those who don't know Jesus without them ridiculing us or, 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 or having preconceived ideas of who we are and what we're going to say. The, the reality is... <laughs> When people see something in you that defies and belies the circumstance of the day, where you have a joy that's unspeakable, <laughs> when you have a joy that transcends the circumstance, that changes the mood and the atmosphere of your life, they say, I want what you've got. I need what you've got. So the psalmist put it like this. You love righteousness and hate wickedness and therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Hebrews 1 9. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness and therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. That expression there, the oil, did I just read that twice? And the first one, the psalmist uses the exact same expression, oil of joy. Isaiah says it like this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. This morning... Can we just open up our hearts right now to a fresh deposit of joy into our lives? A joy that would just continue to be here in the days that lie ahead. <laughs> I don't know what your work circumstance is or what tomorrow it will look like. Don't know what's going to happen. You may go to the doctor and find you've got one and a half litres of fluid in your lungs or something of far greater consequence. By the way, my, all the tests have come back clear and they just don't know what it's been. They just think I had something that was a result of some previous infection. Praise God for that. But even if the diagnosis had been terminal, there's a joy that this is not my home, but eternity awaits me. And that I know for a profound profoundness in my own life that's not just some cop-out thought it's deep down joy and may it be your experience as well that despite what the future holds that the joy of the Lord would be your strength and that it would just deposit deep in the ethos of this church that there's a joy that flows here continually despite the highs and lows that might cause the happiness to wane and come, that through it all there's a steadiness of joy that comes from the presence of God. I want to pray that into you right now and over your life. And if you feel you really need and sense that needs to happen in your world and life, I want you to close your eyes right now all together 
and raise your hands before God and say, I need you, Lord. I need that deposit of God into my heart and life. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you come here this morning and just cause joy to flow into this heart, uh, into these hearts afresh? That you would transform the atmosphere of lives here by impacting people with a joy that is so profound. If you're reaching out for that right now, raise your hands towards God and say, Lord, here I am. Fill me. Lord, let the fruit of the Spirit just flow into this circumstance right now. Let the joy of the Lord be their strength. Let the Holy Spirit just come upon us and cause us to be part of the answer for Wyala and its spiritual dryness and its frustration and anxieties and fears. For all those that go through the highs and lows of living life by their emotional state, Lord, let there come instead from us an atmosphere that gives people a hope that's beyond the circumstance of the moment, that is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let it be, Father, in Jesus' name. Fill this church and every hand that's raised right now with a deposit of your joy. Let it fall upon them now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, the oil of joy that will wash over you right now. Let it just flow over you right now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit, and just lift heavy hearts. Lift the brokenness in certain people. Lord, lift the despondency of situations that are beyond our capacity to do anything about. That which would cause us to feel very unhappy. Let that not be where we live our lives, in in the emotions of the moment, but in the amazing sense of the fruits of the Spirit, where love, joy and peace remain, where joy rises up in spite of what we feel in our emotional state, where a joy that is an inexpressible and great joy, let it fall upon each one afresh this morning in Jesus' name. And thank you, Lord, that as a church we can celebrate this and we can give hope to a, to a hopeless world. We can give encouragement to people who feel at the point of despondency, that we can come with a message that is transformational in Jesus' name. Transform the atmosphere of your life right now so that you can impact your world afresh in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.